Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Leo Speaks. My name is Leo Lopez, and I'm your host for this episode and for all the episodes, actually. <laughs> uh, before we get started with today's episode, um, I must warn you, it's going to be a little bit different than the previous ones, which might not be a bad thing. I don't know. We'll test it out. But if you haven't already, uh, I would like to invite you to subscribe on iTunes if even if you don't listen to this on iTunes, just do it, like, please. Uh, or just follow me on, on SoundCloud. You know, you can just find me by searching Leo Speaks on uh, either of those platforms. I don't know why it's not on Spotify yet. I'm looking into it. Maybe they just don't like me. I don't know. But this episode is going to be a little bit different in that I'm not going to be having a guest over. Um, so it's just going to be me talking about some of the things that have happened in the last week or so, um, just things that I found interesting that have sort of made me think about uh, just life in general, different topics, really. Okay, so to start off, uh, I'm going to talk about something that happened to me, I think it was uh, last week, last week on Wednesday or Thursday. I was, uh, well, I take the, the metro, the subway every day to get to work, and um when I get there, I, I get into work at 6 a.m. So uh, I'm at the, the metro station nearest to my house. I usually leave home like 5 till 6, or sorry, 5 till 6, uh, 5 till 5. So I'm, I'm out of here usually in between 4.55 and 5. And that either guarantees that I get the first train that leaves that station or the second train. Really, um, If I leave at 5, I know it's the second train. If I leave at 4.55... Uh, I can still catch the first one if I walk a little bit uh, faster than usual. It's rare that I'll leave before that, um, which I really should, just I don't like being in a hurry. So I got to the station. I think it was the second train that day. doesn't really matter. And then I take three stations, and then I have to switch over to a different line. Now, I, I, I switched over to the line waiting for the train on the other platform to get there. And uh, I get on like I usually do. And usually at that time, even though the, the metro is not packed like it can be during peak hours, uh, which is such a hassle, just sweaty mess of people. But anyways, um, there were quite a few people on the train at that time. So I got on. I managed to get a, sort of a, a corner spot, not a seat because they were all taken, but I, I managed to get a little spot in the back where I could sort of just lean up against the wall. So I was there about two stations afterwards, uh, and I'm usually just like listening to something on my headphones. So um, two stations after, uh, this guy comes on, and when he comes on, we sort of have my view blocked from what everybody else is able to see. So I can't really see anything from maybe the shoulders down. Uh, he gets a little bit closer to the back, and I notice that his he has a, a sweatshirt on, and his sweatshirt looks like it has maybe some sort of hairs, like it just looks really dirty. Like, it looks like he was uh, laying down on the floor on the street somewhere. And so, I think nothing of it. I think, okay, maybe he just has a dirty sweatshirt, you know? Uh, after a couple of seconds, I start to get this, like, really weird smell. 
And then I realized that the guy that had come on is actually a homeless man. Or I guess that's what I'm assuming he was just because of the, the state that he was in. The, the I, I started to get a smell of, of just like uh, just a very dirty person. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just a very bad smell, you know, like think of the worst sewer smell you probably had near you. That's probably what he smelled like. And little by little, everybody around him, including myself, started to move over uh, to the other end of the wagon because uh, each, well, at least in this line of the metro, the, the wagons, which I think there's nine of, aren't connected. So each one is a separate little compartment. Um, and everybody started sort of moving towards the other end because the smell that he was giving off was so foul, you know, and it actually made me want to gag. And it made me think about just like public decency. You know, eventually somebody gave him a, or everybody like near him moved away and he was able to sit down in this little corner. And even though I wasn't, that close to him I was maybe like what seven or eight feet away from him it was still a pretty bad smell and I at at that point in time I was really just disgusted you know I I didn't really know what to make of the whole situation just because uh for me it's sort of a, a lack of respect and I thought about how uh the security which is at every station at every entrance should keep uh, people like him from being able to get in just because to me it seems like if it's a, a public service which everyone should be able to 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 be able to use really um, there should be a sort of guideline as to things that are and aren't acceptable for that service you know and I feel like if you're going to be riding the metro sure you can expect that there are going to be people who may not have showered uh, who have really bad BO, who's maybe breath stinks, things like that, that's fine, you know. But when it's something that's really unhygienic, to me, just doesn't make sense, you know. If it's something that you can spot in when, when this person is getting on the train or getting onto the station, in the station even, like a, a, a security guard or a policeman, which I think they're policemen, the ones that uh, stand at the stations, um, they should be able to identify and be like, Sir, you can't use this service. You're in no condition. You know, it's not okay for everybody else around you or it, it, that's using it to have to put up with this because I, I, that was my point of view, at least. You know, to me, it just seemed like something that shouldn't happen, something that shouldn't be allowed. And sure, that means that these people would have to find other sort of ways to get around. And it's a cheap way. It's a reliable way to get around the city. I understand that, but it still didn't click in my head. Until afterwards, when I got to work, I had that fresh in my mind. My coworker Cielo, uh, she sits next to me, so um, I'm often talking to her, taking little breaks just to chat about different things. And um, at some point throughout the day, she gets there, and I tell her the story. You know, I tell her, "Well, there was this guy that uh, I'm guessing he was homeless," and blah blah. blah. And I tell her how, how disgusted I was and I give her my opinion without even thinking about an alternative point of view. And so she sort of sits there and she's and she tells me like, Leo, how could you even think that? And that's where something sort of clicked. Like she made me think of, of an alternative where this man may not have been in that situation because he wanted to, you know, maybe there were circumstances that were definitely out of his control and 
the fact that he had to that he had to live his life in the conditions that he currently was may or may not have been his fault i don't know but uh that's sort of one of the things that you know makes you think about how things aren't always what they seem and yes even though to me it was a very nasty experience and i was actually physically disgusted there were moments where i actually thought i was going to throw up uh you know that that may not have been because he wanted to i don't know exactly i, I can't even hypothesize about what his situation could have been but Cielo was the one that that really made me think about it a little bit more and you know it sort of stuck it, it was something that really got stuck in my head and it's been in my head for for the last week or so just because um I don't know I don't know why <laughs> um but I did a little bit of uh just sort of to a little bit of of research um and I actually ran across this webpage called the homelessworldcup.org and when I first saw it I thought the name was sort of a little bit funny which <laughs> there's nothing funny about this website there's actually just a website which is dedicated to uh give out statistics about uh, homelessness in the world and I don't think they <laughs> give out uh trophies I actually like haven't read much into it and I'm just looking into it now but this is a uh, an excerpt that they have about Mexico it says in Mexico City an estimated 50% of people live in informal low income settlements in 2012 it was estimated that between 15,000 and 30,000 people in Mexico City were living on the streets so that's pretty impressive you know um the fact that, I mean, 30,000 out of, let's see, what is the population in Mexico City? Does anybody out there know? So in 2010, the population was at 8.85 million people. Which in LA at that same time, it was at 3.79 million people. So I don't remember where it was that I read, but I read somewhere that we were um, currently above 9 million, which would make sense. I guess the point of that whole story was basically don't judge a book by its cover, even though, yes, uh, I was initially repulsed by the man that came on the Metro and so were many other people. <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess just the point is to to never judge a book by its cover, you know, because really there's no, no way for anybody, well, except for him, to know exactly what he's going through. And even if his own actions were the ones that led him there, I guess there's always a way to bounce back. Is there? I don't know. I feel like there may be situation, there may be, there may be situations where... There's just no coming back from that. And, I mean, what can we do there, right? On a lighter note, uh, this weekend, this past Saturday, I went over to a little place called Xochimilco here in Mexico City. If you don't know, uh, well, the biggest attraction here in Xochimilco, I feel like, is 
um, these little boats called trajineras. And I guess you could kind of call it the, the gondolas of Mexico City. But let me, let me break it down for you. Xochimilco is one of the 16, what are now called mayoralities, if that's even correct. Um, they used to be delegaciones, which are delegations, 16 of them in the whole city. Now it's split up into, oh, they renamed them to be mayoralities where each, uh, each one has its own sort of mayor. And then obviously there's the, uh, I don't know if it's like the mayor of Mexico City. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not big on politics. Also, this just changed because there were changes to the Constitution. So if anybody knows, if anybody wants to investigate, I might have some more of this next time just to like actually do my homework and maybe even learn a little bit. But um, Xochimilco is actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, it was designated one in 1987, which is quite a while ago. Now, it has uh, historic roots, which are kind of separate from the actual Mexico City, of what's actually Mexico City. Um, but it's characterized mainly now by, well, it, it used to be sort of part of this uh, uh, lake, Lake Xochimilco, which is why it's named that. Uh, but now basically what's left of it is a series of canals in which uh, you can rent these little boats called trajineras. And... Um, you rent it for a couple of hours, you take a ride. Um, it really is up to you what you want to use it for. Uh, in my experience, what I've done with friends is uh, we rent out a trajinera for, uh, what, three, four, five hours. And then you you can bring whatever you want on board. Well, everything that you want to drink, anything that you want to eat. And then you pay them to row you around this boat for a couple of hours. And... It's common with, I guess, the younger people, just because a lot of a lot of uh, younger people rent out a, a little boat for a couple of hours, bring a bunch of alcohol, get trashed, get wasted, which I guess I'm kind of guilty of. But um, yeah, that's what you do, you know. And then you're on the water for a bit, and it's fun. Um, I've done it a couple of times, and it's always a good time, you know. If if you get a good enough group. It's probably big enough for like comfortably, probably at most 15 people. Um, this Saturday when I went, I went with uh, eight others. So there were nine of us in total. And even then, like it was it was a pretty comfortable arrangement. See, this time though, I don't remember much of what happened because there were there was a bottle of tequila, a bottle of vodka, and a bottle of rum. And I don't know what I drank of each, but... I probably only remember like the first two hours and after that, I'm also just such a lightweight when it comes to alcohol. Like I'll drink a beer or two and I'll be buzzing. Like I'll feel it right away. But then I plateau and I can drink maybe 10 more drinks and I'll be fine. And then I just black out and I don't necessarily do stupid things. Well, I have been known to do stupid things in the past, but I feel like now I sort of maybe have more control over what happens. Anyways, that's not the point. Um, what really struck me about going to uh, to the Trajineras this weekend uh, was that when we initially got there, well, first of all, there's these like sort of different ports where you can go or where you can rent the boats. Um, I, I don't remember how many there were, maybe like 12 or something like that. 
Um, it's a pretty extensive network of, of canals and stuff. So we went to one called Caltongo, which a friend of mine had said was one of the newer ones where there's usually less people. Um, so we got there and what we had really, what, what's really the standard is you pay 500 pesos for an hour. So our initial plan was to get there and, and rent it for what, around five hours, which is what we ended up doing. Um, so you would think uh, 2,500 pesos for five hours, that sort of makes sense, right? And that's sort of the, the standard we were basing ourselves off of. Uh, we get there, we unload the car because we had two coolers, we had three 12-packs of beer, three bottles, we had drink or, or soda, two-liter bottles of soda and stuff like that. So we're all carrying stuff, we get there to the port, and uh, we ask for prices, you know, and we tell them. And so this guy, I don't know if he was the owner, I don't know who he was, I don't know who any of these people were, I, I really... I tend not to pay attention unless it's something of interest to me, and I'm not interested in, like, asking for prices, you know? So we get there. They start telling us, oh, well, we have a, a sort of a three-hour ride, uh, which you can get for 2500 If you want another hour, we'll, we'll bring it up to 30-something hundred, and then 4000 and you get I don't know what. And I, I wasn't paying attention, and I, and I was sort of standing near the back, so I couldn't hear much of this. And so... Everybody's just like, I'm like, what, what are they saying? And so they tell us the price and I'm just like, I mean, I'm going to leave it up to you guys because honestly, I have no idea. You know, I'm sure I've been here a couple of times. I've never been in charge of paying. I've never been in charge of bargaining or getting a price off of anybody, you know? So we're like, no, you know what? Um, no, we're just going to go to one of the other ports because we've been there before. We have a guy. He, he knows what our standard price is and we'd rather you know, go with him. We tried, we, we, we wanted to come here because we were told it was better because of blah, blah, blah. And so this guy's like, all right, well, uh, how about this? And we'll, we'll fare up the price. We'll give you 2,500 for, for four hours. I'm like, no, that's what they're offering us for, for five hours over there. Plus, I don't know if this is true or not either, but they're like, plus, well, they also give us a speaker or they, they like rent us a speaker along with the boat because, you know, you need a speaker to listen to your music. And so they're like, no, it's like these are these are standard base prices. Like they're gonna charge you this every. And we're like, no, they're not, you know. And they were sort of trying to scare us because honestly, I don't think anybody in our group that was there knew exactly how much we were gonna get charged. You know, we were just saying these things because it was what had happened in the past. It was what we had, and I think the last time anybody in that group had been was like a year ago. So. Nobody actually knew if the prices that we were saying were real or true for what they were going to give us was true. You know, we were just sort of spitting things out. And so eventually they try to bring it down more and we're just like, you know what? No. And so we're walking back to the car because the, the parking that we were at was maybe like, what, a five minute block? It was like three blocks away, a five minute block, a five minute walk. It was like three, three blocks away. So we're walking back with the cooler, with all the stuff. And so this guy comes running behind us and he's like, all right, we'll give you, uh, I don't know, I think it was like 2000 and um, for the five hours that we wanted. And uh, I was with uh, a friend, her name is uh, Paola, and her girlfriend Gabby, I was walking next to her girlfriend Gabby. And so Paola was really the one that was being sort of stubborn 
and and being like no we're not we're not gonna like i feel like at some point she was just like you know i'm not gonna give them the pleasure even if they give us a good price you know um so this guy comes up to us i'm walking with gabby and, and gabby's just like you know what i'm not the one that makes decisions you need to go talk to the the girl in the, with a the green bag she was carrying a green bag obviously <laughs> and so this guy goes up to her and Paula's just like not having it she's like nope 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 we get to the car uh, we like put things down and we're just like talking about it for a minute and they're like, all right, so how are we going to get there? We're trying to organize it to get to the other, um, to the other port or Embarcadero, they're called, which I think is a port. I don't know how they're trying to say. It. And so they eventually come back and they give us, they tell us we can do four hours for 1500 or five hours for 2000. The point is. At the end of the day, we were able to get it down to 1,700 pesos for five hours. And we had them include the the rental of the speaker. Something that they were initially trying to charge us 4,000 pesos for, probably more because that didn't include the speaker. We got it down to 1,700. That's something that I think, well, first of all, that's one thing that, that sort of stuck with me was that you can't bargain that much in Mexico or not in Mexico you can't bargain that much in the states I've never been somewhere in the states where you can bargain down the price to less than half of what they were offering you you know for more of what you they were asking you to pay so that was that was thing number one you know I was like I think what what really appeals to a lot of people there or their sort of general um, audience you could say is is a touristy sort of vibe you know they they really have a lot of tourists that they go through there so they're able to get away with those prices because of the fact that these people one don't know how much it actually costs and two um i mean are, are probably coming or not probably coming i feel like that's wrong to say but a lot of these people that are coming to Xochimilco and to mexico city in general probably have or are able to do so and, and don't have maybe as low a budget, you know? They don't have uh, salaries that are okay for Mexico City, you know? Um, if they're American, their money is gonna go a lot further. If they're European, their money's gonna go a lot further, you know? Just because their money's probably worth more than, than peso. So that's my point, that they're not used to people bargaining down. And the fact that they're willing to do it means that they know that we're not like foreigners. You know, I wouldn't consider myself a foreigner in Mexico City and neither would any of the people that I was with. In fact, many of them are actually from Mexico City and have lived here their entire lives. So that was, again, thing number one. So we get on the boat, we take a shot of tequila and we start talking and having a good time, blah, blah, blah. At some point, uh, we stopped at a bathroom because obviously you're in a series of canals. You can't just like pee anywhere. Um, but they do have these little stops, which is actually part of the fun thing of, of Xochimilco and of the Trajineras, that uh, you're on this little boat and there will be like other little boats that'll come and some of them are selling food, like you'll have quesadillas or you'll have uh, corn on the cob or esquites or you'll have like people selling drinks or pulque or micheladas. And it's it's crazy, you know, you have people selling plants in little boats just like it's ridiculous. So you'll, you'll have like boats with mariachis and you can like pay them to follow you around and play songs for you. It's, it's actually a lot of fun, you know, and it's this really, I don't know, it's, it, 
I like it a lot. So we, we stop at a bathroom at some point because everybody's drinking, everybody needs to pee. And um, so once we're there, I don't actually I don't know if it was at a bathroom or uh, they have like these greenhouses too where you can just buy plants. Um, it was either at a bathroom stop or at a, uh, at a greenhouse stop. And everybody except for like two of us were on the boat. And so uh, I get closer to the guy because this whole time there's a guy that's on the boat like pushing the boat along with like this huge oar, you know. He's single-handedly moving you across these canals. And that's what you're paying for. You're paying for somebody to push you around, really. And so I start talking to him. And I don't remember what I said to begin the conversation because, again, at this point, I'm kind of already drunk. Um, and that's the only reason I would have talked to him. I don't talk to strangers unless I'm drunk. I've had so many com- conversations with like strangers while I've been drunk. I've been in downtown LA and had conversations with homeless people while I've been drunk. One of them that actually stands out is Frank. I don't know his last name, uh, but I did talk to Frank in downtown LA at some point, maybe like three years ago. I don't know. Um, so I start talking to this guy. I don't remember if I asked him for his name. And if I did, I don't remember what it was. But basically what we got down to talking about was that he didn't think it was fair. That what we did was fair to him. Um, he showed me this little like little booklet, pamphlet that they sort of have. And, and it looked very touristy. Like it's something that they give out to, to tourists to sort of uh, have a baseline. But he was showing me that in this little booklet... They had base prices, you know, and they had things that everybody in, in all of the trajineras, it's been established that this is a base price and this is how much they charge per hour. And I don't remember what the prices were, honestly. I do remember seeing him be like, oh, we paid very little. And um, he was telling me that he basically had no choice because how it works is that his boss is, or this is what I understood, at least. If anybody else knows, please let me know. Um... But basically, he or, or one person owns like the whole port where all of those boats are or leave. And then um, there's several people which take the boats out and take the people on the boats. Um, so he was telling me, he's like, I mean, with you guys, he's like, I, I have no choice. You know, if I tell my boss that I'm not going to take you guys, um, he's going to punish me and he's not going to let me go out on for another four or five trips after this, you know? Um, so he's like, I, I basically have to agree, even though he's like, if I usually get paid maybe 50 pesos an hour to, to row you guys along, I'm getting paid 20 pesos with you guys, which is less than half of what, what, what I would have made. And I actually don't remember if he actually told me how much he typically makes on a trip or like per hour. But I think I, I, I remember almost specifically that he did say that with us he was getting paid like 25 pesos an hour which if you think about it that's like 125 pesos for five hours um conversion to dollars that's about seven dollars he was making seven dollars for five hours which sure it isn't fair um and i actually felt bad about it when i was talking to him you know because i'm talking to this guy about what he does for a living and here I am with a group of people who are responsible for the amount of money that he makes, you know, and the fact that we bargained it, which, again, I couldn't feel too bad because at the end of the day, somebody agreed and that somebody was the person in charge. But it was, again, another sort of eye opener uh, this weekend, even though I was drunk. 
um, which, yeah, it was it was an injustice, you know. Uh, I don't I don't know how to feel about that. It was just, I think another or well, this sort of ties into the last story about the homeless guy, just in that there there's so many things that are out of your control that the best we can do is learn how to live with what we can control. It's like the uh, the serenity prayer. I think it's called the serenity prayer. The God give me the courage to change that thing. To God give me the courage to change the things I can. The serenity to accept the things I cannot, and the wisdom to know the difference. I think that's it. Um, which I'm not religious at this moment. I don't know if I ever will be. Uh, I can't tell the future, but. Um, I wouldn't bet my money on it, but um, that that prayer that I identify a lot with it, and yet I don't necessarily give the meaning to God. Just like it's sort of just like a a law, an all encompassing an all encompassing. I can't even say that word. All encompassing uh, sort of saying for me, you know. Or instead of God, it's just like. A saying like for me to actually do the best I can and learn how to live with things that I don't necessarily want to live with, um, just do my best. But moving on to the third um, idea that I want to talk about, or the third thing uh, this weekend that sort of stuck with me was uh, something that happened yesterday. Actually, I was I was with a group of friends. We were watching Sister Act. Um, why we were watching Sister Act? Gabby said it was a good movie. I remember I had seen it when I was like little, and um, it it actually is a good movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. You know, seeing Whoopi Goldberg in church, it's nothing like it. But what I actually want to talk about uh, regarding Sister Act is the fact that Whoopi. Well, basically, for anybody that hasn't watched the movie, I recommend that you do. But uh, here's a bit of a spoiler. Uh, basically. Whoopi Goldberg is like going out with this like sort of godfatherish mafia guy. Uh, he seems sort of Italian. His name's his name's Vince, and so she witnesses him killing somebody, and so Whoopi's like, "Uh, like what do I do?" You know, she runs away, and so this guy Vince is looking for her. She goes to the cops. The cops are like, "Hey, Whoopi." She's she's like living in Reno at that time, and she's like singing, doing the little act at a casino. And so she goes to the cops and the cops are like, we, we got to get you out of here. You know, he's going to look for you and he wants to kill you because you witnessed a murder. And so they like put her in this convent. I think it's in New York. I don't know where it is. Um, so they put her in this convent with a bunch of nuns and they're like, well, uh, we have to wait until you get a court date. And that could be a couple of months. So while we're waiting, you're just going to sit here with the nuns and you're going to pretend to be one of them. And um, she's, like, super hesitant at first. Basically, she actually becomes a nun, like, throughout the whole movie. Uh, the sisters are all like, yay, whippy. But her her sort of big big thing in, in the convent is that the choir was, like, such a shitty choir. Everybody sucked. And so she gets, like, put in choir rehearsal just so that she has something productive to do. And it turns out that she's, like, the best choir teacher in the world. Because she, like, the, the choir gets so much attention that there's, like, uh, 
church like the the church is full every time there's mass and at the end of the movie even the pope comes to visit because of such a great choir like it's sort of sort of hilarious um but what actually like caught my attention about the movie wasn't anything to do with with religion or with whoopee or but it was the fact that uh during the movie the the sort of arrangements she makes for the nuns to sing, for the choir to sing. She takes popular songs and she gives it a religious meaning. There's one song, um, I don't even remember what the name of it was. I'm looking it up. Well, the last song that they sing that they're singing to the Pope is I Will Follow Him, which I'm not sure, it's, it's an oldie for sure. But the original song is obviously somebody singing about... Um, it's from Dolores and the Sisters, apparently. That's what I'm seeing here. But the lyrics are basically about this woman who's in love with this guy. And she's saying, I'm going to follow him and do whatever he wants and blah, blah, blah. And so I just thought it was super interesting that without, like, that song never mentions a him or, or it's obviously called I Will Follow Him. It doesn't mention, like, a man. It just says I will follow him. And the meaning of the original song is obviously to follow the man that you're in love with, you know? But I just thought it was so interesting that by just shifting into a religious setting, the whole song just becomes about following this religion and following God. And that made me like highly consider like the things we see and we do in society. Like the fact that there are love songs which you can literally replace him for God. Like we're putting love on such a high pedestal like we're giving it so much importance in life like if it was a religion you know like when you fall in love you're gonna automatically know how to live your life and be happy and that's all you need which is i mean that's that's the meaning that i get from the song in the context that it's sung in the movie you know if there's a bunch of nuns singing i will follow him obviously you're, you're talking about following the lord following god whoever it is but the fact that the original song was meant to sing about a guy that somebody loved like that is that okay to to have people put somebody on such a high pedestal i feel like that's a lot of responsibility for one person like i i wouldn't like to be that him for which somebody would be willing to do anything for like i'd rather live my life knowing that if you want to love me and you want to be my partner then let's do it but you're you and I'm me and I don't like owe you anything else than I owe to my I don't I don't even know how to like it just I feel like it's not okay sister act songs there was another song which is even more popular um yeah there we go the, nothing you can do can take me away from my god that's the song that's the one that actually like made me think about it first because you hear, everybody knows that song, right? And then you hear them replace my guy with my God. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, I think, first of all, congrats to Sister Act for being able to pull that off. Because, I don't know, I wouldn't have like seen the connection. But, yeah, I, I still just don't think it's okay that we're able to, not that we're able, but that... And I feel like that's the, the status quo in today's society. You just like, you have to, 
grow up, you have to find somebody to love and have a family with or be happy with. And uh, that's going to solve all your problems. And the truth is, I think that's the farthest thing from, from reality. I think you can't be happy with somebody else if you're not happy with yourself. Otherwise, you're just like carrying your own issues into the relationship. And that's not fair. That's not okay. Anyway, all in all, oh, actually, one more thing before uh, I say goodbye. It is going to be a bit of a short episode, but that's fine. Um, today is, is it an international day? I don't know. Let's look it up. Um, there's no such thing. Oh, yeah, there's no such thing as the International Children's Day. Uh, but today's Children's Day, Dia del Niño in Mexico City. Um, well, not in Mexico City, in Mexico. Is there an actual, like, world or universal Children's Day? Or is it just, like, different? Is there even one in the United States? I don't remember ever having a Children's Day in the United States. Let's see. Wikipedia says Children's Day observations in the United States predate both Mother's mothers, mothers and Father's Day, though a permanent annual single Children's Day observation is not made at the national level. Uh-huh. So there is no Children's Day in, in the U.S. That's surprising. In, 19, in 1856, Reverend Charles H. Leonard, then pastor of the First Universalist Church of Chelsea, set apart a Sunday for the dedication of children to the Christian life, and for the rededication of parents and guardians to bringing up their children in Christian nurture. The service was first observed the second Sunday in June. Blah, blah, blah. Children and Youth Day in Hawaii started in 1994. It looks like... I mean, it, it just seems like there's no sort of actual established national children's day. But... In Mexico City, it's kind of a big thing. Everybody's like, hey, it's Children's Day. And it's today, April 30th. Uh, on this day, teachers in schools organize the day for their children. In some schools, lessons are suspended for the day. They organize games, music, and the children bring in their favorite foods to share with others. Some families also have a day out with their children. There's special activities, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Children's Day in Mexico started in 1925. The celebration had its origins during the Alvaro Obregón's presidential period after the country joined the Geneva Conventions and looking after the wellness of the vulnerable children affected by World War I. Later, the Geneva Declaration of the Rights of the Child was adopted on 26 November 1924 by the League of Nations, recognizing that children are the most affected by the war events. United Nations recommended November 20th to celebrate Children's Day throughout the world, but that day coincides with Mexico's Revolution Day. Also, April 30th was selected in order to avoid May 1st, and, which is Labor Day, and celebrations of uh, Cinco de Mayo, which May 1st is tomorrow and is also Labor Day in Mexico. Uh, just FYI. But um, that was a little history lesson, even if you didn't want to know about it. There you go. Um, and I actually remembered it was, it was uh, Children's Day, Dia del Niño today, because I went to Starbucks. Usually at work, I have my... Uh, is it called soluble? Is that is that actually what it's called? Hmm. Like powdered coffee, soluble coffee, whatever. Um, I keep it at work because we have coffee that they provide to us. And I'm not a fan of it, so I just prepare. I prefer to make my own coffee. However, I'm out of coffee, and so I went to the Starbucks that's a block less than a block away, and uh, they had a little basket at the cash at the register, and 
uh, there was a sign that said, take one for your child, the one you haven't, like it said, toma un dulce para ese niño, para ese niño que tienes dentro, or something like that, but it, it, it was like in parentheses, so it basically said, take a, take a candy for that child that you have inside of you, like in parentheses, uh, it made me feel nice, you know, it made me feel like a child, and then my mom told me it was my day, and I was like, what do you mean, mom, my birthday's not for like a month and a half, and she's like, no, it's Children's Day, and I was like, oh yeah, it is, um, but see, even the fact that my mom hasn't lived in Mexico in fucking, what, 24 years now, is it 24 years, damn, no, it's been more, 25 years. No, how old am I? It was 19, so it's been 22. She hasn't lived in Mexico in 22 years, and she still remembers when, when the other niño is. That, to me, is surprising, you know, the fact that it's actually such a big part of, of Mexican culture and that there's no equivalent in the U.S. Something, I mean, food for thought, I guess. I don't know why children are not as appreciated in the States, but I guess they're just not. Um, yeah, so those, those were sort of the, uh, the moments of reflection that I had. I know it's, it's weird. We had homeless people, boats in Mexico. We had fucking sister act, Whoopi Goldberg, and we had children's day. So, uh, I hope you found this interesting. This is probably going to be, uh, Maybe not as common. Like the reason why I'm doing this episode alone is mostly because uh, I've actually realized that this podcast has become a lot of work, and it's it's. I'm not saying that it's too much, but it is a lot to actually have to coordinate, uh, along with a full time job, uh, people to to bring over to my house to to talk to. Um, you know, a busy, busy lifestyle. So this is probably going to be a bit more common. Um, I'm not saying every week, but you can expect an episode like this. And when you do have an episode like this, just be like, hey, Leo, you do you, boy, and I'll do me. Because that's, uh, that's how it's going to be. All right. Um, but again, I don't think there's, well, there might be. Uh, I think that's it. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week or, or on Friday if you speak Spanish. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't... Oh, oh fuck. Oh, shit. Is this thing on? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't claim to. I frankly don't care. I'm going to be playing some music. If you like to listen, go ahead and do so. I'd be happy to hear your feedbacks. <laughs> What? What was that guy saying? Didn't really make sense. Is he okay?
pasajero debe permanecer a bordo.